Business is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, it's freezing. You all know that listen regularly that I'm from Colorado, so is my fabulous guest today. And it's freezing in Colorado today. We've been having uh, sub-zero weather, uh, but it will be a hot show. So what we're going to talk about is what's between the covers and what's under the sheets. We're talking about book design and some of the things that we typically see consistently authors both green and the newbies and still some that have been out here for a while get into deep doo-doo. So with me is going to be Nick Zellinger. He is the um, uh, founder, the visionary for NZ Graphics. And Nick has done my books. He has done many authors' books. He, uh, or award-winning, I guess we need to say, numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. So with over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books along, and this is what's really important, along with the many promotional pieces that we all need from banners to posters to postcards to uh, uh, bookmarks to business cards. And it's, it, it's common that I will say to Nick, you know what, we need to have a logo for this author's uh, publishing house so we can zap this on the spine, and can you whip one up, and he always does. So with that said, we're going to jump right in. Nick, Nick, um, you know, it's just not from the, uh, I would say, the, the book business, because he's actually did graphics for the Rockies, and he's done them for the Broncos here, um, as well as Clear Channel and other media. So he he knows what to do to make something snap, crackle, and pop. And it's one of the things that's so important uh, for, for me in working with an author as a book shepherd, as well as advising many of the members of Author You, is that you've got to work with a professional, someone who's this is what they do. It's not something that they diddle with as a hobby, and it's important to get that. So with that, Nick, welcome back, back. Well, thanks, Judith. Uh, Great to be on the show. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. You are welcome. So Nick and I were um, kind of um, commiserating earlier today when we were working on another project and about some of the, the, the continued things we see authors hiccup. So, Nick, why don't you just jump in? I know you and I have done shows like one, two, three, here's what you need to do, but somehow, you know, they keep eating the covers and they don't listen. So what's about what's going on here? That's really true. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a really exciting last several months for me as a designer because I've had so many different projects come across my uh, desk, but the consistent thing that I'm seeing as a challenge still is the lack or the reticence of authors to understand 
what their book is about, what their who their audience is, and what their competition is. I'll get a lot of authors who'll say, you know, I I have no idea what I want for my book cover, and that's all well and good, but. If you haven't done any research, and we've talked about this before, about authors going to an actual physical bookstore in your area, whether it's Denver, it's the Tattered Cover, Book Bar, or Barnes & Noble, or wherever you are in the country or the world, mm-hmm. go to a you know, brick-and-mortar bookstore and do your research. Find, your, find books that are your genre, both good and bad, things that you like. And like you mentioned before, take snapshots of them. And do do that research because you'll discover many things. You'll discover, first of all, what you like personally, what you may not like, uh, what may fit, uh, what elements may fit for your book cover. You may also decide and discover, gee, maybe I've got the wrong target audience in mind here. Maybe I've got a different age group or vice versa. But, but, but I think it's important to really do the research first so that you have some level of discussion, some dialogue that you can start with your professional designer. And and I think that, uh, I mean, I think it's always good for input, but uh, even I've seen, we had one situation, I, and I've shared it with our listeners before, where a graphic designer did all his own book and designed it, and, and we had a mastermind group, and he was showing it and talking about it, and he, I have to tell people he's, he's never come back because I think he felt... Uh, he had been assaulted <laughs> because because people said, "What were you thinking?" And that the title of his book was one thing. What his cover said was something that was so remote from what his book was about that uh, and he got too involved with his art art and he forgot true, about yeah. who the reader was. So what you're saying, Nick, is it's critically uh, critically important to really understand who that reader is, who that potential buyer is. Plus, they've got to really know what's the difference between maybe an artsy-fartsy self-published that looks self-published, screams self-published, is self-published, versus something that can really compete with the big boys. That's true, and, and people will ask, well, what's, you know, how do you determine what looks too self-publishing? Well, I mean, this is a, we're getting into a very subtle esoteric area here, but... But basically, really, I mean, the tendency for new authors usually is, from my experience, is to have way too much on their cover because they're so close to their project. And that goes for even designers, like you mentioned before, that do their own do their own artwork. I mean, you get close to it, and as a designer, it's a very humbling thing to offer up dozens of designs that get rejected. But my advice to other designers is get over that pretty quickly because this is a business, and you really need to focus on what your mission is, which is to get the correct cover, a beautiful cover. And there are lots of beautiful covers out there uh, that I love myself personally. But that doesn't always mean that you're, that's the right cover for the book. Uh, a beautiful cover doesn't mean you're going to find the right audience. It's got to be the right thing. So I think the tendency for <clears throat> some designers and some authors is to want to put too much of the kitchen sink on their cover. I think simplicity, uh, the, the use of the correct use of fonts and current color styles or, uh, you know, know, know your color wheel, for instance, but the right amount of art uh, or not art, depending on what the book is about. So it's a very uh, mixed bag of very subtle nuances that can produce something that is really stands out. 
So when you talk about the kitchen sink, you're literally saying that, um, and you and I did have an experience with another author that we finally were able to talk him down, but he wanted to pull every key uh, plot point in his novel out and throw it on the cover, uh, the cover versus one really stunning grabber. That's true, and and that's I mean in a way that's very understandable because I mean the author, you know, believes that those are those are essential elements of the book. But you know, the cover really is less about the author and more about the audience, and it's that the author has to give up some of that territory, uh, and for sake of uh, you know emotional impact, you've got ten ten to fifteen seconds before you make some emotional connection to a book cover, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. It's so tiny of a window. So, uh, you know, to have five, six, seven different elements, first of all, <clears throat> is going to confuse the viewer. And especially in today's world where, you know, the first look that a, uh, a buyer will get at your book will be a thumbnail version on Amazon or somewhere on the Internet. So, you know, it's got to look good at a small size. So how are you going to get all those elements to pop? How are you going to get your title to stand out from, you know, three or four different characters or scenes? So that's the challenge for designers, and that's the challenge for authors to kind of relinquish that and let a professional, you know, handle that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to, to go along with that, a lot of people will say, well, thumbnails, they can always enlarge it if they're on a mobile device. They can enlarge it. Um, or if they have some of the, you know, the touch screens, you can enlarge it. But mm. the reality is when people are scanning through, to looking for things to eyeball and catch their eyes' attention, they're not going to stop the scan and say, oh, what's that fine print say? They yeah. usually will be bypassing it. So um, you know, one of the things that Nick didn't say, but, but I'm going to add on here that since you are, yes, you are a listener, going to <laughs> create an e-book as well as a print book, um, or if you're doing e-first, certainly drop it in and create a print-on-demand format so you can couple them up and, and offer both which I strongly believe in, um, that you really need to think right from the get-go, do I need to modify my cover for e-version versus a print version? And a lot of authors really think of that. True. That's very true. I mean, you really have to think of all the elements and all the presentations your book cover is going to be represented in. And, you know, obviously e-books are very, more than a viable format. It may be the only format that some people go to, but... But you really have to think of the entire thing. You need to think of print, digital, <clears throat> any other version, you know, any other format you may be getting at. But, but it's really true that first image, of, if you've got 15 thumbnails on a computer screen or your smartphone, um, it's going to be, you know, the one that you'll go to will have the one that stands out the best, whether it's contrast or a strong title. So um, you're still, I mean, you're still trying to, you know, get that buyer's attention somehow. So that's the challenge for designers is just to simplify yet be get emo, have an emotional impact, and that goes for all genres, not just uh, you know nonfiction and nonfiction, but children's books and cookbooks, everything. 
And, and you know, one of the things is that uh, a lot of authors don't even think about, because we mentioned mobile phones, cell phones many times, that one of the things you might want to do is take your current website. If you're carrying your book on the website or you go over to Amazon, which is going to be mobile friendly, but your website may not be totally mobile friendly. So there's a site, mobile test, M-O-B-I-L-E test, T-E-S-T, dot me, that you can put your, your site where you carry your book on from your website and do a test to see how it looks on multiple uh, mobile devices, which I think is a smart thing to do. All right, Nick, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd like to get into some of the snafus that we see more of and and dealing with layout. This is in the sheets, what people, you and I see, the screw-ups that come right and left. This is... Yeah, this is Judith Bryles. Nick Zellinger of NZ Graphics is my guest today. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Many of us have dreamed of writing a book. Some of us even have. Then the hard work starts. You'll need an editor. Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106 Design can guide you through the maze. They've helped more than a 1,000 authors create top-quality books and avoid the not-so-reputable self-publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com. Then call Michelle at 602-866-3226. 1106design. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being good with it. If you already have a book out, you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publish. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author You today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author You on Twitter at Author You and on Facebook at Author You, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author You, where the author goes to become seriously successful. Impressions are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an ebook, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. And your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. 
With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Hi, I'm Judith Bryles, known as the Book Shepherd, and with me today is one of my favorite designers, multi-award winning, both national and international, Nick Zellinger, who is the CEO of nzgraphics.com, that's N by Nickel Zebra Graphics mm-hmm. <laughs> And we're talking about covers and interiors, which is something that uh, is, it, it, it's, it's not all the same old, same old. In fact, one thing, Nick, that makes me cuckoo, that when I open up a nonfiction book and I see just line after line after line after line after line after line after line of just text, um, there is no eye candy, there's no white space, there's no break for the reader's eye. True, that's a common thing that you see. And, uh, I mean, luckily we're able to, you know, with the the uh, authors that we have in our Author U fold, you know, we're able to uh, kind of guide them into how to get away from that just straight, boring narrative by, you know, adding call-outs or sidebars or some visual element that breaks up the narrative and maybe highlights a phrase that needs to be highlighted. And there's a lot of things that authors can do just in their word manuscript right off the bat that can help that. And that's just, you know, writing, obviously writing your writing and then examining your file and choosing what phrase or sentence you'd like to stand out. Uh, The caveat to that is to be judicious about how much you use because you're, you know, mostly your word file as your writing is in an eight and a half by 11 format with 12 point times new Roman. But you know, that book is your manuscript's going to go into a totally other size, whether it's six by nine or five by seven or five and a half, eight and a half. So text is going to reflow. So you don't want to have three or four call outs on one page, but, uh, but the call outs a great thing to use for nonfiction books. Uh, they, or memoirs even, uh, they highlight some emotional impact, and it does break up what can be a rather, you know, maybe possibly jury narrative for the reader. Well, I, I think that uh, one of the examples of a book where you, you and I are working on right now is called The Last Days in Monaco um, that will be going to print within a couple of days. And it, it came in as just strictly uh, text. It was just line after line after line after line. And when I went through it, I try to put and it and it's uh, it, it reads like a, a novel, um, mm-hmm. his, his, does, his yeah. life. Yeah. I mean, and and the author is what I call a serial entrepreneur. So it's it's one of his it's a time where he was all out flat. 
one of the times. He's been it several times. And um, uh, they came in an all text. So one of the things that I went in not to do call outs uh, particular because we decided that we were going to take his seven chapters and we converted it into roughly 31 chapters. So we really we did a whack. We cut him up. The second thing to make it easier. So when that those of you who do write fiction need to understand that when people write about page turners, one of the things that help keeps turning pages, besides being interesting and grabbing, is that those chapters are short. Um, that they can actually see, okay, I can read three more pages and I can turn off the light or something like that. So it, if, if that's what they want to do, that they, it keeps them moving forward. So we did the cut up. Then I went in and I looked for uh, grabber sentences. They could be emotional. They could be like an oh my God statement, um, whatever it is. And I brought those out, reduplicated them and brought them out to the very front. And then Nick designed it as an opening to lead into the chapter almost like it's a tease, a hook, uh, to yeah. bring them in. So, uh, and then other time, and then he also we have because Monaco, uh, we carried a a part. Nick carried the car- uh, part of the graphic from the front cover, and that actually splashes across the opening of each chapter. So there is eye candy, as I said before, and you want to think about this. Um, to gussy up your books a little bit so they're not just boring letters and numerals and and that's all you see. you got to help yeah. them out. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can just utilize some of the graphic elements that you have on the cover, bring them into the interior so you're marrying both the outside and the inside. That little just, just hint of a graphic sometimes uh, can really... Uh, really enhance just the, the overall look and the flow and the feel. And then, of course, how you set up chapter titles and how you set up chapters themselves, whether they're the word chapter. I mean, you don't really need to have the word chapter one in there. It could just be the numeral, but it depends on the, who your designer is and how you want to approach that. But uh, that coupled with, uh, you know, ample white space margins around your book with ample and even extra maybe white space in the gutter area, because if you've got a 400, 600-page novel, for instance, uh, you're going to need a little bit more white space in the gutter so that the text doesn't get uh, drowned into the side of the gutter when they, you know, collate mm-hmm. the book. Or, or, or they have to break the spine quickly. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the full, text falls in there, yeah. Yeah. So, so Nick, when you, um, I mean, I commonly can tell a self-published book very quickly by looking at the gutters. And so you do need to think about that. You know, are people going to be able to read it without having to push that baby flat and start breaking the adhesive down? Because most books today are glued. They're not sewn. That's true. <laughs> so, That's true. And so, I've got a bunch of books on my shelves here from years back that I've kept uh, that well, I, I would say one of them, maybe a couple I did when I was younger, but I have a lot from other printers that I've worked with that are reminders to me that these are snafus that you don't need to do, and those are those are margins that are like a half inch to three eighths inch from the outside edge, so there's absolutely no white space. Uh, text goes all the way up to the top or all the way to the bottom. There's just mm-hmm. absolutely no white space available, and white space is your friend in a book. So, uh, or 
a mismatch of fonts and sizes. I mean, fonts are a whole other, you could actually do a whole show on just the importance of fonts, how they make and break cover or the interior, but, you know, the, the correct use of fonts and the styles and, and the size, too, you know, so that you can mitigate or min- minimize the, the use of hyphenations in the book so it looks good. So there's a lot of technical things in a layout that, maybe authors don't realize that designers do that make a book readable and make them aesthetically pleasing. Well, you know, actually, I think that we've never done a show on just fonts, so I think that's a great idea. So let's set yeah, that up. Yeah, fonts are like, uh, you know, we talk to a lot of book buyers, and they give us input on uh, trends in, in, uh, on, in colors and what's still selling, and fonts are the very same way. They're very trendy, and the wrong font will absolutely sink your book. Uh, and choosing the right font is really important. I mean, there's an emotional impact in fonts. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you're doing a business book, this is, goes without saying, and most people probably know this, but, you know, you don't want to use a cursive or an old-fashioned font that would be more comfortable in, a, you know, say, a romance novel versus of you know a business book so and then fonts have like colors they have trends to them some appear dated they feel they feel like they're from another era and that may work in some books if you're doing a nostalgic book but uh, you have to be very uh, very aware of the impact of fonts well uh the the other the other side of it is that you in looking you think your audience is that there might be one font that might be more um, more receptive to a male audience if you had a primarily male audience versus the female audience where you can get away with a lot more stuff, especially sure. when I'm thinking of chick lit um, and, and some of the graphics that can be used in that arena. Around True. You, can, uh, you know, the, uh, if you're using chap- chapter titles or subtitles in any of those books, you can get away with a little bit more flowery or a softer font or more stylish font, maybe is a better word. And then mm-hmm. the the body mm-hmm. copy is like maybe Adobe Garamond, which is a very classic font yeah, used by a lot of fiction, but it's a kind of stylish font. When it goes to italics, it has a little bit more swirl to it. But um, So you have to be aware of the fonts. And then obviously, you know, if you're doing a business book, it doesn't have to be straight, boring, industrial fonts like Arial or Helvetica. Or Times New Roman, even. You want to actually oh. keep away, stay away from those fonts. <laughs> Look, if you did any of those fonts, that would tell me your book was self-published. <laughs> yes, it screams it. And any book reviewer will tell you that, too. They'll see it a mile away. They'll go, well, this is just a word file. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the other thing is, I mean, here we are, now we're talking about fonts. But the other thing is, it's really important to understand that certain fonts, if, if it's a 12-point, it could be a very small, tight 12-point, and it may look like a 10. Um, so it's really important to talk with your designer, whoever you deal with, and to make sure you have a right fit. Because if you have an audience, for example, who's older, who are all wearing glasses, they're going to want a little bit beefier font uh, to, to make it easier. At least that's my opinion. Well, that's true, because fonts, you know, traditional fonts like Times New Roman and Garamon, uh, at, say, 10 point, are very small. Yeah, they or, are. Or a Minion Pro yeah, or Gaudi, yeah. old style, at 10 point or 11 display a little larger. So uh, the font size doesn't really tell you much just by the, n- the number, but the, the actual font, the foundry that designed the font uh, 
will show you more about how it's depicted as a, as a per, you know size. And of course, designers. Okay. Well, choose the you know what, Nick? For... We're going to come back and dig okay. into this a little bit more. We're going to have one more Super. break here. This is Judith Browns. You're listening to Author You, You Guide to Book Publishing, and we're talking design. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing with Judith Bryles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, you know, I always love it when authors um, 
you know, get, send out a woot actually for themselves because they just picked up an award. And yesterday, USA News, Book News, revealed their current crop of uh, awards where they get thousands of people entering. And um, I think they have 80, 80 categories, or 70, 80 categories, depending upon. There's a lot of categories. I don't, I can't remember all the numbers. But that we go through and I get usually the first one comes along and gets my attention and then I go to the master list to go through and once again it's always a thrill um, to see roughly a dozen of our authors that, that, that Nick and I have had the pleasure of working with picked up awards um, in a variety of categories health, fantasy, um, cookbooks we had a cookbook, cookbook picker-upper and uh and religion, I mean, just a variety, and it's all, and the cover design does make a huge difference um, in, in that, because these judges are looking for stuff that, you know, is fun, is pleasurable, um, is easy to read before they really get into the book. So let me just remind, and Nick, help me out here, mm -hmm. and, Nick, and Nick Zellinger of NZ Graphics is with me today, but... When I tell people that you're, you have a possible book buyer, here's, here's what it is. Number one, it's the cover. The cover is the, the, the beacon that brings them in. Um, it's going to be all the graphics that Nick was talking about. And then the, the, the critical thing is then it's the back cover. So you, the, you, you've got these two expensive real estate uh, packages of your book. The front cover, which is to bring them in. The back cover is your marketing piece. That's where your sales is, and that's where most author fails. So, Nick, let's get into that one a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where anywhere from 15 to 30 seconds can be taken. And then what they do, if it's of a dust jacket or a paper with the flaps, they will quickly scan over the bio flap, which is the back flap, and maybe read the inner flap, the third marketing piece. And then what they do is they open up that book and they kind of do that scan through what's it look like inside. Is it, you know, is it attractive? And I, attractive is the best word I can think of. Um, is it, is it got subheads that give me eye break? Is there, is there an illustrations or call outs or, or sidebars or something that's a little bit different uh, in there? And then if you've got it, your back market copy had it, if it beckons to them and tells them, um, this book is going to solve your problems, it's going to ease your pain, or it's going to tickle your fancy, or whatever it is that you're going to do as the author expert, then you've got the sale. But if it doesn't go from that one cover, two back cover, three, maybe if it's a dust jacket near flap, or three is the interior, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because they don't true. really need to read the book. That's really so. true. And then, you know, if they stop it at the cover, then, you know, you're rolling danger. So that's, you know, that's the first thing. And then, you know, the authors that say, well, I have no idea what's right on the back cover. <clears throat> and there's obviously, you know, that goes back to research again, going to bookstores, getting looking at the bestsellers and seeing how they approach their back cover uh, layout in terms of the amount of text and what the text is in content. And you won't find many uh, New York Times bestseller or best-selling books that have a review at the back of the cover by some, it says, that, you know, an Amazon, a satisfied Amazon reviewer. It has no place on it. So, you know, your endorsements need to have meat and weight and relevance to your book. So um, those are all things that are easily, you know, you can see that just by looking at good examples. 
And examples are the best. So when you go into the bookstores to see what the current competition is, you're looking at colors, fonts, display, images. And I know I've talked about this several times when you're getting ready to set up because what we need to talk about is so how do you best work with someone like Nick Zillinger? Um, when you've got a manuscript, whether he's doing just the interior or whether he's doing just the cover or whether he's doing the whole enchilada, you know, how do you set that up? And one of the things that I always suggest is you go in with your phone, you've all got cameras on them, um, go in, go back to where your genre would be in the bookstore, pull out those books and look at them. What's what's your competition? And then go out, to, go back up to the front and do a, you know, the book waltz around the new, new, new stuff and take a picture again of what's current What's, your, what's New York creating? Because that's what you're competing with. Is that not right, Nick? It's really true. And, and, and I'm li I myself, like most experienced designers, are good team players. So we really want as much input as we can get from an, from an author so that we understand their direction and their desire and, their, and what their goals are. So those, all those elements do nothing more. I mean, they just help. They just help move the process along in terms of design and discussion. So uh, it's, a, it's easy, it's free to do, it takes a little of your time, but it's well worth it. It saves you money. Uh, it, can, it can save you money down the line because you, won't, you may not wind up doing multiple iterations of book designs. You may help a designer get right off, you know, right off out of the chute, get something close to what you want. So that does help. Which is always exciting, and then you just start tweaking. You know, and, and, you know, Nick, I think we need to talk about that because that a lot of authors think it's supposed to be perfect the first time. And I'm always amazed with what I see the predators do, the publishing predators. And they'll say, okay, you buy our package. Buy a package, we'll publish your book for 567 or fill up, you know, whatever the number is, it ends in seven. And that they'll say, okay, you get two or three shots at the cover design. Well, let me tell you. Dear listener, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah in, in the perfect world, I mean, it would be nice. But it, even even for me, the, with the hundreds of covers that I've done, uh, there's no – I mean, it's never been – I wouldn't say it's never been difficult. It's always been challenging. But it's never as easy as one would hope it would be. I mean, I did one this month, and you got to see some of the layouts that one of the author you meets uh, for – <clears throat> A woman a detective actually was doing a book on child safety, and yes. we probably did something like 30, 30 covers, but we finally got but, – but, and she was getting discouraged after not seeing something the first round. And I said, oh, no, don't worry about this. This is all part of the process. We'll get to this. But we need feedback. We need feedback from reliable sources, uh, which, are, which means your audience and professionals. So we got that, and we were able to finally come up with something that – you know, just hit the mark for her. So uh, it is a process. I, you know, I tell all authors just to be very patient about this because it is a process. And, you know, it's the, it's the rarity that designers does the first three covers and one of them hits the mark right away. I mean, it's just very rare that that happens. No, but, you know, I do have to say for my little book, Snappy Sassy Salty, that you did for me, that we did hit that on, by the third cover. If I that was the rare. Yeah, that was the exception for sure. Yeah, it just came together and it was pop. I mean, the first time I saw the first round, I, thought, I knew we were close, and it was just bringing it together and it tightened up really fast, which is always yeah. fun. All right, so you've got 
We've got the cover. We've gone that path. Let's talk about some of the things that I see a lot, and I think that you get them a lot, is that that when you're writing, let's let's just say, and we're going to encourage all of you that you should be writing in a word type document um, at, that you tra- transition in. Don't try to. I, I, I we have the biggest problems where we see oh. Um, I'm going to learn InDesign, and I'm going to lay it out myself. And then we yeah. have to, because we have to uh, undo it all. We have to undo it. Don't try to do it yourself. Your best thing you can do is just get it into a Word document. But that, with that, Yeah, that's true. There are authors that spend actually years formatting their book in Word to make it look exactly the way they think they want it, all for not usually. So, I mean, it does help a designer to know where bullet points are and where subheads are and what the level of subheads are versus that or where, you know, maybe where a chart is or some diagram. But generally, uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to come into InDesign and it's going to come into Quark Express pretty much a straight type that has to be reformatted and reselected and stuff like that. But there are a lot of little, there are a lot of little elements that a writer can do in his word file that will actually save time money and some aggravation down the line so what what nick let's go through some of those tricks and tips like i for one of them that the standard today and it's been for many many years is after a period it's only one space you just get that one after period is a one space and That's i true. think Okay, so because then we have to, I mean, we get sometimes when an author will send us something, they've got three and four spaces after a period sometimes, and it's going in and it's closing them up and the time, I mean, you know, we're too expensive to diddle around with something that you can do with that kind of stuff. I see that more often than not. Um, I'm working on a couple of books this week that have that same thing, and it's, I know it's a habit from years, years gone by to have two spaces, but what happens in in digital formatting now with uh, text boxes and InDesign and all that, that creates unnecessary rivers of white throughout your page when you've got two, three spaces. You need to have it one space. That's the standard now for publishing, uh, one space between the period and the, and, the next, and the beginning of the sentence. All right. And, and Nick, we have one minute before our final break, but okay. I think it's really important to get into, um, you know, what's the difference between a hyphen? What's the difference between an N as in Nancy dash and an M as in Mary, but it's actually spelled E-M, but that's another thing. So yeah, E-M three different, E-M. Yeah, they're three yeah. different sizes and, and, they're, and they have different uses. Yes. And, yes. and uh, for sure. And then, you know, the hyphen obviously is, when you're uh, doing a, uh, say, a hardworking entrepreneur, for instance, maybe yes. you're going to hyphenate hardworking, or or a three-year-old boy, you'll have a hyphen between three a year, year and old. Those old. are hyphens. All right. So with that, hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. Also, I, let's get into the magic three dots, the ellipses. Oh, yeah. You know when to use them and how to use them. So that and much more in our final segment with um, Author You, your guide to book publishing. I'm Judith Browse, and with me is master designer Nick Zellinger. This is 
She's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need The Book Shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303 885-2207. That's 303-885-2207. Or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at MyBookShepherd and on Facebook at TheBookShepherd. our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right. So, Nick, as we exited out, I kind of teased with we need to deal with the elusive M, N, and hyphen. You, you started with hyphen because that was the easy one. Um, to do, and then we want to get into the ellipse, and they also let's let's uh, touch base on quickly how to help your designer and identify in the body of the document before you turn it over to your designer um, the appropriate uh, ID for illustrations, for figures, to graphs, and and really how to deliver them to you. 
True, true. Well, I mean, let's start with you the, quickly with the ellipses, for instance. Uh, you know, there's an actual keyboard stroke uh, on your computer that will set it up the right way instead of having you print out, I mean, type in period, period, period. So, uh, but usually designers will fix that. And the biggest thing is be consistent. Uh, no, you know, you can have a word and then the ellipse and then the word without any spaces. Aesthetically, it's probably a little bit more pleasing to have a space between the word and the ellipse beginning yeah, and end. You know, it is for me. I know the Chicago, the, the Chicago style says, you know, have it all tight. But I like a little bit more space. Again, that's that eye candy. And, it's, and what an ellipse is supposed to do is give you a little rest anyway. Yeah, uh, it's, a pause to, it's a pause to consider or something. So it's a, I wouldn't say it's a pregnant pause, but it's something uh, yeah. akin mm-hmm. to that. So that's important. And same with the M dashes, those long dashes that are between phrases, which kind of highlight the phrases. Uh, those consistently usually are no spaces between uh, mm-hmm. beginning and end. We close those up. And as long as the, the, you know, the writer and the designer is consistent with that, then they'll have no issues with, like, book reviewers or whatever. Right. So let me just um, tell everyone if you're um, – and I, I use a PC. You know, if it's Mac PC is going to be a little bit different. But if, you're, if I'm doing the lips, I will type my word – and then I do a space, and then a quick dot, 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 immediately, and then I go space, immediately they close up. They Immediately they close up, so they're tight. Um, so I don't have to diddle with it anymore. When it comes to an M dash, all I have to do is, is type in a word, let's say uh, radio, um, and I write radio, and then I will do two hyphens. Radio, hyphen, hyphen, no space. Radio, hyphen, hyphen, and then I start typing tunes. Um, Radio, hyphen, hyphen, tunes, and when I go to the space, it automatically closes all up, and I have the long dash typed. So learn some of these little tricks to uh, take out some of the brain damage that a lot of you go through here. Yeah, a lot of that goes a long way when you've got a long document, you know, 80,000, 90,000 word document with all that in there. That saves some time and some effort uh, and some money for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So and then that's, we, go, we can, yeah, we want to yeah. shoot over to uh, how to present or offer up illustrations or, fig, you know, uh, graphics in your Word file. Uh, <clears throat> the best way to do that for me as a designer is, I mean, you can – you can actually have a graphic inside your Word file, but most designers would want that as a separate image because what, what happens is if you can import or export that graphic from Word, you're going to have to drop into Photoshop and choose the resolution. But usually it's, that's not the best quality, so you really want to have your images in a separate file at the proper resolution, which is usually 300 dots per inch. Um, and offer those up to uh, your designer, whether it's through uh, you know, a flash drive or Dropbox or something like that. Or the other option is if you number all your illustrations, you can have just a note in your file saying insert illustration one here, and then you know, your designer can pick up that illustration from the art file and do it that way. All right, but it's really important. I'm going to jump in here and add because I kind of kicked butt on, on with my authors on this, is make sure that whatever you say, insert art one, there is only one illustration that says art one yes. in that file. So that each illustration has its own 
uh, customized kind of title. And, and the other thing is that I like to recommend to you is you like you have a table of contents. For the sake of, of removing brain damage to your designer is create just a table of illustrations or inserts or whatever you want to call them for them. This is not going in the book at all, but it's for them to use as a guide that, oh, in chapter one, there is three illustrations and it's called, you know, George meets Sam, blah, 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 blah. And they could go over then to the folder you create with these illustrations and there they, oh my gosh, there they are. Yes. There's nothing more troublesome to a designer to have 50 illustrations that are misnamed or mistitled that don't mm -hmm. have any relationship in the manuscript and trying to visually go through them and see, is that the right one that I, we need here? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it does a little of that goes a long way for sure. All right, so then I'm going to add on one other tidbit to help the illustrate my designer out, is that when you decide, do this beforehand, please, decide which illustrations go there, because if all of a sudden you decide, oh, you know that those, uh, and Nick and I have done books with a couple of hundred illustrations in them and photos, that if all of a sudden you want to rearrange them in a chapter, what you're asking for, which you don't understand, is that, that, the, the Knicks in the world have to redesign, relay out the entire chapter again. That's true because everything so. will reflow differently, and that's time, money, and uh, especially if you're on a deadline, it's um, you know much much more work. And, it, you know, another point is that some authors will have, if they're not doing nonfiction books, or they're medical books or business books, they may have created charts or graphs mm -hmm. in their Word file and. Um, you may want to consider a designer or another illustrator redoing them. You really kind of don't want your art to look like it was something done in, in words, so that may require a little mm -hmm. bit more extra money or budget, but it's something that should be considered to, so that you have a consistent style in your book and it doesn't look just like it's something that was lifted out of Word. Yeah, just because you're using it in your PowerPoint presentation doesn't mean it's the right one to go in there True. and make sure you read those carefully because I'm going to guarantee there's misspellings on those. I mean, we have a financial book we're doing right now. We found misspellings in their, their graphs that they have been using for years. That's true. That happens more often than not, and they get very easily overlooked because both the author and sometimes the editor are assuming that they've been around for a while, so there's no issues with them. All right, and, and so I know, Nick, we only have a couple of minutes left, so what we want to do is what could we do in some summing up that they really need to do to make your life easier, but also the outcome is is they save money um, and they get a better book? Well, I think right off the bat what we started with is do your research on covers, uh, get, get as much information to your designer as possible, um, make sure that when you do your Word file you are – First of all, doing all those little tidbits that we talked about in terms of locating, noting where illustrations go or where figures go, uh, the M dashes, the spaces between that, that save, does save time and money. Uh, also, um, to make sure that more than anything, once the book goes to layout and it's had a cold-eyed read by an editor, and we fixed all those little last-minute changes, there's always going to be changes when it goes to layout, whether it's minimal or whatever. But make mm -hmm. sure you input those very last changes into your Word file because then your Word file isn't going to be the latest, greatest file. And you may want to have that Word file 
um, around for a while, whether you're doing another edition of the book or you're going to Smashwords and they're asking for a Word file to convert to eBooks. So those are things that can save a little time and money for sure. So make sure you do get a um, have your so, so what you're saying, Nick, is to make sure that you do have your designer create a duplicate word file so they can make those adjustments post or. Well, that can a designer can in, export a design in design or cork file into word, but it, it'll be straight text and it won't be it won't have the original formatting that the author may have already set up in word. So. There's a choice there. You, the design, you know, the designer can offer that up, but I, I always recommend, you know, make notes of all the changes that you've done and put them in your own Word file so that you have the latest, greatest version of the Word file. Uh, it, it, I think more often than not that happens where they'll come back and say, "Gee, my my file is just totally outdated. Can you make me a Word file?" And I say, "Well, mm-hmm. we've had to wrap things around photos and the layout, and sometimes there are, you know." It just won't retain the original formatting that you had in Word, but you you will get the content for sure. Well, it, it, to to just counter you a little bit, I know that when I go through the final cold eye edit, we could easily find fifty changes that we're still going to do, and um, and it's it's really hard to get those back. But you know, the author doesn't even see. That's true, and then sometimes by that time, the author has wants nothing to do with their Word file, which is kind of That's understandable. That's also true. <laughs> oh, that, that is also true. They've, they've, they've had it. That's they've when, had it. They don't want that, to see it again. <laughs> that's when that's when AFS hits in, the author fatigue syndrome. So yeah. let's just, let me just add this because we're just about at the top of the hour here. But how would you like to have someone like Nick design your entire book? Well, you can. The Draft to Dream book competition is open now. The early bird um, ends at the end of November on the 30th. And I would encourage all of you, if you have a book in manuscript form, it has not been published you can win close to $10,000 in prizes. And that is a competition. There are going to be four grand prize winners, 10000 each. It will be announced next May, the winner. But you have the early bird to enter. You have your manuscript to get in by January 15th. Everything is up on the authoru.org website. Just click on the Draft a Dream book competition. And with that, Nick, I want to thank you for being with me again. We'll set up doing a whole show on font because I think that great. would be kind thank of Thank you so much for having me. It was great. All right, so have a great week. Everyone stay warm. Winter is here. This is Judith Bryles. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing. part of your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host dr judith briles each week